Welcome to the Three Wise Men of Divorce, Money, Psych, and Law podcast. Sit down with the California divorce experts, financial divorce consultant Mark Hill, psychologist Scott Weiner, and attorney Sean Weber for a frank and casual conversation about divorce, separation, co-parenting, and the difficult decisions real people like you face during these tough times. We know that if you are looking at divorce or separation, it can be scary and overwhelming. With combined experience of over 70 years in divorce and conflict management, we are here for you and look forward to helping by sharing our unique ideas, thoughts, and perspectives on divorce, separation, and co-parenting. Well, welcome, gentlemen. Well, Yeah, you know, have you noticed, um, as of this recording, there is an election going on. There is. By what? the time this, yeah, there's an election going on. By the time this recording is uh, published to the web, to the internet webs, for all of our listeners to find it, we will probably know the results of the election. Well, let's hope. I, from I underscore two, probably. You know. From two standpoints, the fact that we get this thing edited and out in a timely fashion, and B, the fact that when we do, even if it's a week out, we do have a result. Or, you know, we might all be fighting in the Civil War. That's, That's possible, too. That's true. You know, I, I, did you guys stock up? Yeah, I, I, I sharpened the pen knife on my car key. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see it. Good, good. You know, um, I, was dri- I was driving to work this morning. I heard an article that I heard a thing on the radio saying that gun sales have exploded in San Diego County over the last six months. Because I read people a, are concerned about violence in the election. And COVID, I, read a, you know. I read a piece that this day is causing more anxiety than any other day of the year. Well, that's poll. what I deal with for a living. And I got to tell you what, it's bothering me. <laughs> yeah, oh my I, God. I'm, I'm kind of losing my crap and eating my feelings when I get home. I love some good ice cream to oh, wash down your, great your election oh anxiety. God. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, without um, divulging what our political persuasions are, this is something that, I mean, this kind of election does cause a lot of anxiety. It's a, it's a close election and people are wound up, right? Yep. You know, I think there are three or four different kinds of families when it comes to this. And since we're the wise men of divorce, um, you know, there's families where everybody agrees, and that's kind of comfortable, even though even if everybody agrees and they're facing the possibility that the nation doesn't agree with them, they are losing whatever it is. And then there's the, uh, the, the Conways and the Madelines and the uh, Carvilles and uh, families like that, where they're actually split. Some of them manage to stay married. Yeah, like uh, Mary Madeline and Carville managed to survive the entire Clinton administration without getting divorced. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't, I, the Conways, they, they both withdrew from their political posts. He was over at the Lincoln Project and yep. she was at the White House because they wanted to care for matters at home. We've talked about them on this podcast before that we thought that was probably a wise choice, but they've got a daughter that is also very active politically and tweets a lot about um, 
her pro-Biden views. So we have two Republicans, one an anti-Trump Republican, another a Trump Republican, and then we have a, 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 I guess, a Democrat. I'm not sure. Probably. All under the same roof and trying to get by as a family. It's, it is inviting in a way for us to discuss families in which those sorts of opinions are strongly polarized. On the other hand, I think that most of the things that we deal with as divorce counselors in our various different disciplines are very much like those split families, even if they agree about things politically, you know? Yeah. It's, it's that kind of feeling. It's almost like the United States of America is going through a non-collaborative style divorce right now. <laughs> They're litigating yeah, and, it. And you're, and you're seeing behaviors that kind of remind you of what we see in divorce process, you know, the kind of narcissistic behavior that we see from one candidate that may go nameless. Um, there was the moment where uh, uh, in the vice presidential debate where Kamala Harris was doing that I'm speaking line. Uh -huh. um, when, when she was being interrupted, she said, I'm speaking, I'm speaking. And, and that became the line that became the soundbite for a lot of people because it reminded them of their ex-husbands. Mm. Well, or soon to be ex-husband, you know, I'm speaking, I'm tired of a man talking over a woman kind of a thing, you know, not again, not to, to pick a horse here, but, but I mean, there's these trends that are developing the way people are, are relating to the election. They, they relate to it very much how they relate to family members. And I'm thinking about when we had uh, Dr. Richard Levac on last week, how he talked about the, the collection of grievances. And we yes. had candidates that have done that, who, you know, we have a president who describes himself as being the victim all the time. Yeah, and, and so it's not dissimilar to what we face in divorce when people are, you know, they can't let go of the past, essentially. Their focus is on the past and previous wrongs that have been committed. Well, and there is kind of a grievance industry, isn't there? Mm -hmm. um, politics, I mean, you and I, Mark, were political science majors. I, th I think you were too, right, Scott, or were you? No, no, I was uh, politically rather involved, though. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Oh, so, yes. But, I, I, you know, negative sells politically easier and faster than positive. So, yes. you know, everybody complains about negative advertising, but everybody does it because it works. Yep. Well, it hooks, it hooks into a part of our affective, emotional universe in a way that, you know, yeah, yeah. It's like if we're saying, you know, it's, it's um, San Diego County is a really lovely place to live. You know, it's so temperate in the winter. It's warm in the summer. It's not too hot. It's like little by little, we are lulling ourselves into this uh, soporific, sleepy, lovely feeling. And it's so docile and so gentle. There's hurricanes and there's tornadoes and there's <laughs> shit pulling across the landscape and there's, you know, I mean, we get excited. It like it hooks into a place. Mm -hmm. It hooks into our fight flight universe. And I, you know, we're animals, we're creatures. 
that get an kind of stuff thrill out of it, don't we? That ha- kind of stuff gets to us. So you're telling me I have to slow down to see that accident as I'm driving on the freeway. I have no choice. <laughs> it's an animal reaction. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a, I'm a big IndyCar fan. I grew up in Indianapolis, and half the people that go there just go so they can watch the crashes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, wh- what about people go who go to hockey games? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There was, what, I, not, grew, I grew up playing hockey and well, in, it wasn't any good, but I grew up in Minnesota. We didn't go for that. We didn't but go that's for that. Why we, wanted to see, we wanted to see the, 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 you know, you know, Bobby Hull almost never got into a fight playing hockey back mm-hmm. in the day. He just, he, there's pictures of him bailing hay on his farm and, you know, uh, pictures of his back. And it's like, my God, when he would move his stick, it's like the stick would bend. You know, <laughs> it was like a golf club or something. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with IndyCar driving. I mean, true fans, you can spot them because they get upset if there's a, if there's a crash because then it means there's a yellow light. But yeah, people well, that aren't somebody, true fans, you know they, somebody they, might they get can't. hurt or killed, you know? Right. Yeah. You don't want to see anybody get hurt. But people that are not real fans, like fair weather fans, they get really excited by a good juicy crash. Well, I there's went some fire. It's even better. Yeah. I went to a uh, fight uh, a few weeks back and a hockey game broke out. <laughs> so is that why we like to do divorce work? We're voyeurs. That yeah, like we like to watch. Fight. From oh my standpoint, my. I would say no. It's because I, through that, I've been the victim in that. <laughs> or the <podcast>. yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't want to see other people go through that kind of suffering because it's no fun. Sean, yeah. do you know why you like to do it? You know, I, I've, I've been spending years thinking about that. You know, Mark, you know yeah, why I, I like it? Yeah, because okay. you, like, what, what? you want to help people. Yeah, that's I think the, that's, that's the basic it. thing. You want to help people and you want to try to minimize their pain in a difficult time. I think that's what drives you. I, I, I think that's true of him. I think it is true of him. But if we if we ask you to try to penetrate to a I'm, I'm respectfully speaking now yeah a, a you know it's like when i look at what is it in me that is in fact selfish but functional that gravitates toward this kind of work i, I think that the times when i feel like my skills or whatever can actually steer this ship in rocky waters through the narrows and you know i i I do feel a sense of real achievement Mm -hmm. i feel like i've done something that's really difficult and and if we can do it well it's great and i similarly or uh and it's not really similarly dissimilarly feel awful when we blow it (laughs) <laughs> even no. though even though we're not steering the ship we're only it's like we've got our hands behind our back we're you know but the yeah. reality is the client's experience will be their experience now what i mean by that is that there is no control divorce through the courts going on over here that they, they, they can look at and say well that's awful yeah. <laughs> it, it, their experience will be this cost too much it took too long and it was emotionally painful and if we can get them through with their family somewhat intact and a good co-parenting arrangement and both of them with a roof over their head and enough to pay their bills, we've done a really good job. 
And, but their experience might be my lifestyle is worse. I no longer have a spouse and my kids are mad at me. It's like they're getting pissed off at the lifeguard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was a lifeguard too. I wanted to swim over there. <laughs> I was it. the guy with the whistle that would yell at the kids to walk. <laughs> uh, Some man. snot-nosed kid that doesn't know the meaning of walk. No, oh, run. God. <laughs> no <laughs> running around the pool. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, oh, you know, um, well, I mean, back to our topic of how this affects divorce. I think there is something to be said about the level of, of aggression that people are feeling towards their fellow man right now is at a level that I don't remember in this country in my lifetime. I'm not as old as you guys, but I think there was some of this back in the sixties and the I early seventies. I did too. I saw it then. It still and, existed uh, when I first came. It was existed certainly in, in Great Britain. It was parallel mm. to what was going on here. Um, and I saw it still when I first came here in 77, I, my hair was long. I had not been working for six months, so didn't get a haircut. And traveling through Georgia and Alabama was yeah. not easy with long hair in those days. Yep, yep, yep. It wasn't. And it was a shock to me because I'm coming to America. America's the land of the free, right? Well, that was an Well, not if you have long hair. Not if you're a long-haired hippie. Yes. Not if you're in, yeah. you know, DeKalb County, Georgia on a Sunday, drinking a beer, reading a book in a parking lot <laughs> in a, at a state park, waiting for your friends to float down the river so you can pick them up with the pickup truck. And this yeah, cop yeah. comes over and gave me a hard time. Mm. And now I was yeah. drinking a beer. There was a sign that says no alcohol, but I, I'm a business no. to your country, sir. You know? Well... <laughs> Yeah, you were probably a communist. I probably was. Yeah. 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 But I mean, so I, I do think that people's level of aggravation is high. And I think it's, it's spilling into what we're seeing in divorce. I, we've talked about how we've noticed a trend of intensity. Mm -hmm. Interpersonal family conflict is more intense than it was. Maybe and, we, a year ago. and we talked about that being somewhat COVID related and everybody having less yeah. out outlets. And I think that's the same with the election. You know, you well, I think the, you can't get away from it. Exactly. And, yeah. and I think they're related. I mean, I think you can't talk about the election without talking about COVID and you can't talk about COVID without talking about the election. And they're very much interrelated and it's spilling over into people's attitudes in their home. Even if they agree on issues, they may still be angry with each other about whatever, and they don't even know why. You know, it kind of reminds me of, did you ever watch that Star Trek episode where they go down to the planet and there's these little spores that make everybody super happy and love each other? The and Trouble Spock with Tribbles? Got a, no, not that one. Oh, okay. It's one where Spock had a girlfriend and he was smiling all the time. Oh. And, and, and Kirk realized that he could snap him out of it if he made him angry, so he called his mother a computer and some other horrible things. <laughs> Spock got mad and almost killed him because, you know, Vulcans are stronger than the rest of us. And then they realized that anger is what would break the spell of the spores. And so then they, what they did is they beamed this high-frequency sound down to the planet. And everybody, they, they, it was like an itch. They knew they were angry, but they didn't know why. And they started just fighting with each other. And it kind of reminds me of that. It's like somebody's beaming that get mad at you frequency at the whole planet. 
and and people are angry and they don't even know why sometimes i think they're just agitated and what do you think scott you're the you're the psychologist there's well, anything I'm to listening it to, I, first of all i i've never i've never had such an education on a star trek episode because <laughs> i'm I, there for you <laughs> between star um, trek and star wars all of the world's problems can be solved <laughs> Now I remember is uh, Joni Mitchell singing about a Star Wars bar, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could talk about the family law issues in Star Wars. I mean, that Skywalker yeah, we could, family we could. was a wreck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he never got a strong right, relationship I, with his father of... that we tried to do through the collaborative <laughs> process, did he? Right. I mean, we could have helped them. We could. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what do you think of this kind of just agitation? theory that I've developed in my tiny little brain. Uh, well, it's pretty massive, that brain. But what I'm thinking <laughs> that is that the um, when I look at my own agitation, and I'm just another one of us fools, when I look at my own agitation, I, I believe I know why I'm agitated, agitated. But what I don't know is, well, given the fact that I grind on these things and I think about things and I read and I'm, I try to educate myself. How, how is it still getting to me? Why doesn't the fact that I'm paying this kind of attention to things help me? And it doesn't seem to. Well, it's, is that the same reason we don't do therapy on ourselves? I think we do therapy on ourselves 24 seven. Oh, well, I guess the, what I should have said is why you shouldn't do therapy on yourself. <laughs> who else is going to, I mean, <laughs> who's, who else well, is going to do therapy you? on your, you shouldn't do therapy on your wife, for example. Oh, but it's, my wife's people a do therapist. It. Are you kidding? It's, it's, it's you know, who is your I know my, my kids are always like, stop actively listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you're doing. You're pulling that mediator crap you're on us. You're pulling that stunt on me, you. you keep that to but work, I mean, will you? There's a, there's a reason, though, why, you know, because it's too close. It, well, it's I very mean, hard to be reflective. It's, it's very hard. It's very hard. And yet it's, I think, everybody who tries to be their best, his or her best self, is really doing that all the time. It's, uh, you know, it's our step work. <laughs> it's our, you know, our admission that, we don't know everything. We aren't everything. It's our reaching across the space to ask for some help. It's our making some kind of a, uh, like an inventory, if you will, of our BS and also our good things and trying to set things right when we've wronged others. You know, it's like, I think it's a, I think we're doing it all the time. But what I think is true, though, about what you said is that we shouldn't expect to have a full perspective on ourselves. It's just, we just can't do it. That the old, uh, the, the old fable about the emperor's new clothes isn't about some other jackass. It's about all of us, you know? <laughs> We're all blind mm. to our BS to some extent. And yeah. we do our best. But meanwhile, meanwhile, back at our ranch here today, you know, I... I mean, to my mind, I, I, I believe I'm agitated because I've, um, to some extent, as a person who uh, lives in America and cares about America, I've, I've had four tough years. You know, whether that conveys what my political beliefs are, I, so what? 
you know, I've had four tough years and it's, uh, you know, I mean, you don't want four more. I, I, I've tried, you know, I tried, I, I have, I have friends who, uh, who are on the other side of things and I'm always polite to them. Um, and they, with a certain amount of trepidation, because if, if, if it be told, I, I can debate pretty hard, but I treat them so gently about it. And they well, are, do you think this? And do you think that they're asking me sort of sincerely from the other side, they're reaching across. And I treat that with great. I mean, I feel like it's a gift, you know, you know, well, so- and that's, that's that, that gift that you're describing is something that really is wonderful to see in a divorce mediation. Yes. When, people get to the place where they can start asking questions with sincere curiosity, as opposed to, I'm going to convince you that I'm right. Oh, yeah, and th- you this did is a get- this, and so you're a that. Oh, this is this- a get you. This question is yeah, a you get need, you. You need to pay, and I'm going to show you with this nasty yep. question I'm going to ask. I saw a very interesting um, article that talked about both sides' fears if the other side wins. Yes. And it was fascinating, the real fear that is on both sides about, you know, oh, yeah. we're going to even end up in a fascist state or we're going to end up as Bolivia. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a Stalinist, um, yeah. communist. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Utopia or dystopia. Dystopia. And yeah, I, I, I think that's true. I mean, and that's what people do in a divorce. They, they catastrophize about what it might be on the other side. Right, and they can sometimes do that around the children. It will yes. be awful if he gets to so have his rules. So. You know, yeah, that is so true. Yep. Yeah, or I saw it in this case. You know, I I can't trust this person to co-parent, so therefore I'm not going to. I'm not even going to try because I can't trust this person. Or I believe I know what he or she is likely to do. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. There's that, and there's they ignore the thinking. fact. They ignore the fact that, you know, they've pretty much worked together for however many years. I know. Yeah. Look at the history. So, so it's a condition contrary to fact that they're actually positing as their, you know, reasons. He's going to do this or to she's going to do up. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then there's the other piece of... Um, you know, I always complain about bipartisanship, the call, the call for bipartisanship that people feign, um, which is, um, I want to be bipartisan, which means you're just going to do everything I want. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so if you were bipartisan, you'd agree with me. You would agree with everything <laughs> that I want, in my, including all of my very partisan values. Of course. Right. And, and no attempt at all to actually find a compromise solution. Um, and, and this, this idea that compromise is somehow a dirty word because but you're let, giving yeah. something up. Let's explore, let's explore that further because yeah. that's the, that does translate very well into divorce. If mm-hmm. I give him an inch, I know what he's going to do. I cannot give him an inch because he will take advantage. He will. Yes, that that yeah. all or nothing thinking. Exactly. Yeah. I can't compromise at all. You know, and, and so what I try to teach people is to be more flexible in their thinking and look for um, an understanding of why it might actually be your best interest to give up one of your sacred cows so that you can get a settlement. I have a situation that I've begun speaking to you about, Sean, with a, mm. with, with a person who 
really needs to proceed. I mean, they need to proceed in, in a divorce. They've, they've been uh, miserable for 10 of the last 20 years, easily. And um, in this case, the one, the person who is talking to me about it, not only feels certain that the other person will royally do pull a rip off and a stunt and will go around and on any professional because that person's spouse is way smarter than me or you or you. And of course, you know, we've, we've seen so many stunts. <laughs> We're so good at that. And, and, but it's the, the disbelief that, this person could even begin this process because they're so certain that, that, that it will reproduce everything that's gone wrong in the marriage. Yeah. And that that's going to be that that is it. That is it. It's like a, like a track grooved in into the future. It's so hard. It's so hard, you know? So I know that this person's going to have to wait until the suffering is almost unbearable. It's so unfortunate. I've even I've even tried to convey to this person it'll not only be better for you, but it'll be better for the other. You know. So so then, what happens to that person when the suffering actually is unbearable? I don't know. I don't know. I know that that person is a lot more stout. Uh, and capable of enduring difficulty, um, which has been proven in past work. This is a this is a returning client after many years. Ah, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, it's it's. I just I just see this this surfeit of unnecessary suffering because mm. of being sure essentially that mm. the other person. This came off of what you said. Mark, the other person won't, can't compromise and won't. Mm -hmm. I think it'll, I think it would happen. I think it would happen. Well, what happens under those circumstances is eventually you provide the person with no options, but to litigate, but to seek the protection of the law. And when they do that at that stage, there's no, no opportunity for compromise. You're into depositions, you're into, um, you know, the full legal process that we yeah. know so well. You're in so far that... You're on the escalator. The divorce escalator that we've talked about in previous yep. podcasts. So, okay, so change little little change of direction. One thing, a person came up and had a lot of anxiety, was speaking to me and, and, and also to you, Mark, about, about absolute terror about what happens to their health insurance mm -hmm. as a result of this election. Or yeah. other oh, things so politically. True, so true. Yep. Right. Somebody with pre-existing conditions um, can be very nervous at this time. You know. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's a oh. financial issue that people really um, are worried about. And people. And it does have an impact on the divorce because if there's no, uh, if insurance costs more, that's going to mess with the cash flow for the couple. Years ago, I had a case where the. Husband, two years after the divorce, this is back in the early 2000s, 
remarried the wife, even though they were not together. So just so she could have health insurance because she had a condition that required six to $8,000 a month without it to treat her. Wow. So he remarried her. First, he kept her on her co the company's books until, as an employee until the accountant goes, you can't do his CFO goes, you can't do this anymore. So he actually remarried her, even though they <laughs> both had separate lives, just for the health insurance. Imagine the complexities that will cause during a relationship, especially if, which was the case, both of these were in new relationships at that point. <laughs> By the way, new lover i am going to go marry my ex-wife if you're okay with that because i need the health insurance is that okay or she needs the health insurance are you fine with that so why wouldn't you be fine with that i mean really so think about what that might did the new lover say well can i get on that insurance also i did not know the next part of, but i know it was a difficult conversation he had for i actually know his his new she was an employee of the company, so she was okay for health insurance, <laughs> as I recall now. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it, stuff it like been that. easier to just hire the other person? Well, he, but she was, I mean, they were a long way away from the place of work. Oh. She oh. had three children she was raising, small children. That's before Zoom. This is way before Zoom. This is 2001, 2002. Okay. Oh, my God. I know. Can you believe I've been doing collaborative work since then? Wow. My Lord. That's nearly 20 years, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, what else, Mark, are people worried about with this election? Taxes. Oh. Our taxes going to change. You know, my taxes going to go up. How I can no longer deduct spousal support payments. So how can I ever afford this? What if my taxes go up? Can I, can I get my... Um, Support changed? Well, possibly. well, and the last presidential election had a tremendous impact on spousal support. Yep. Because uh, spousal support used to be deductible to the support payer and taxable to the support recipient. And now that's no longer the case, at least on the federal level. In, yep. in, 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 when you talk about federal taxes. Yep. And that's because of the Trump, the Trump uh, tax reform. Yeah. Hmm. You know, so I don't know. Is there going to be? A, I don't think there's some ground swell to restore the uh, spousal support alimony. You know, the alimony deduction. But no, but if if we were to get a blue wave, I could see the deduction of state income taxes being restored, which would change the game for many people's finances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that was seen as basically targeted against the states that did not go for Trump. You know. Well, I, like our, our, most of our clients that are in California, that, yeah. that, that didn't help matters, did it? Well, I don't know. My taxes went up moder moderately, modestly, I should say. I paid more tax after the tax reform, not by much, but it was not, I got no tax cut at all. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. My accountant does the columns every year. <laughs> so I know exactly <laughs> you know, what I, the percentage okay. I paid and I can look at it and I go, well, that didn't help us very much. Our taxes actually went up. You know. Didn't help you. No. Yeah. And um, well, what about also like the economy? Like the, mm -hmm. it may not, it's no secret that the economy is not doing particularly well right now. 
I thought it was the greatest economy we've ever heard, had. Wasn't I, wasn't I hearing that just recently? And everybody knows it. It's the best <laughs> oh, ever. Mark, Mark, you just don't speak American. You speak English. That's, That's my problem. Yeah, it's, be, it's because you're a communist with long hair. <laughs> not long. Not, no not longer. anymore. But, yes, I am, you have, you, but wait a minute. Lovely, a I lovely am, haircut. I am bearded. Oh, but you so are, are you. <laughs> I am. I, I'm probably a communist too. I don't even know it. <laughs> But um, I'm the only one who comes out clean in this whole thing. Really? Look yeah, at you clean shaven. That's true. That's true. That's true. But you're, you know, you're a psychologist. They're, you're all communists anyway. We are. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you know that? I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's interesting. So, I mean, yeah, the, if, if the economy gets better, how does that affect divorce filings or what, what, what happens in people's divorces? And actually, well, the last time when we came out of the, this, after the financial crisis, divorces went up. When, when you say when the financial crisis, recovered. you mean the, the, the 2009 yes. debacle, right? Yes. What happened was, well, as the economy recovered, people started to say, well, well, now we can afford to divorce. We right. toughed it out for the last three years because the economy was so tough and we just couldn't find a way to make it work financially. Yeah, my memory was that less people were filing back yeah. then. I mean, I, I was having trouble. Actually, we, our business, we were like looking at our bottom line. And I know it's kind of macabre to talk about divorce being related to your bottom line, but it was. Mm -hmm. And the firm I was with, they, we were struggling. And then all of a sudden, things picked up with like crazy. But this one's kind of weird because with the COVID crisis, it feels like the, the divorce rates are up. I, I don't know. Anecdotally, at least it feels like I'm more busy than I ever was. Yeah, and I would agree. But I think what's interesting is that there's a whole segment of the population that cannot afford to get divorced. And the ones we're dealing with are those that businesses are still working, that they can still work from home. And that, I think, locking people up in the house together, both of them trying to work from home and take care of children, has added to much of the stresses that, that people face. Yeah, yeah. So, <sighs> we will have well, a result. When we talk next week, we'll be able to start to yeah. try to quantify some of these things that, um, you know, we've been talking about today and narrow it down to, so our listeners can have an idea of what the changes or what the result is likely to have in terms of impact. So, yeah, what we can expect. Exactly. Assuming yeah. we're not in an apocalyptic dystopia. That was, I was going to ask about that. Are we still going to have <laughs> a meeting if the apocalypse actually occurs? You know, I'm going to have a meeting whether there's an apocalypse. I am too. I am oh, too. God, I'm so for that. One of the things I think... <laughs> apocalypse now, huh? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think that, quite honestly, the biggest fear I have is that a week from now we're having this call and we're in the middle of massive legal challenges all over the country and nobody has a clue and it's December or January before we know the result. Well, you know, you were saying that if um, that there was an option, by the way, M Mark, who does financial analysis offered both Sean and myself the option of getting in on a great bet. <laughs> we're in, we're in, if we were willing to, in order to bet one, in order to win a hundred dollars for California going for Biden, 
we'd have to come up with $7,000 each. Somebody is taking bets at 70 to one. Yep. I don't know if that's your bookie or whoever it is. <laughs> But um, no comment. <laughs> it was reported to me by a third party. I want to point oh, out. Oh yes, to me. yes, yes. Pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon me. We call that clinical distance. Okay. Um, you know the chances that we'll have an apocalyptic reaction. It's like we've been through some pretty gruesome crap in my lifetime, being older than these two gentlemen in the late. 60s and early 70s things well, were kind of tough and you know yeah, what the 1860s was awful scott i'm sure that <laughs> no, was really no, hard no 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 i i do remember that but it 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 wasn't that bad um 1960s i'm i'm up on there's yeah. there's i have a hunch that the hyper dramatic monologue or dialogue if i want to try to be more fair than i really am um that the, that the dramatic discussions themselves are um, exaggerated. I have a hunch. There's a thing in statistical analysis called regression to the mean. And it's mm -hmm. not just a mathematical concept. It's also, you know, things are often a little more average than they appear. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and to some degree, there's anecdotal... It, um, evidence today of that fact. Everyone was afraid there would be violence at the pools and intimidation. Driving home, I heard that basically they said there's been nothing reported less than in previous elections. <laughs> Interesting, huh? Well, yeah. and, okay, and that's another way to look at your divorce. I think a lot of times people look at their divorce in apocalyptic terms. Mm -hmm. But the reality is people do this every day and they get through on the other side and very few people, their lives end. Most people get through this, <laughs> you know, there, there is a, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So even though there may be some challenges getting to where you need to go, those people out there listening and thinking about their divorce and the prospect of a divorce and thinking it's the end of the world, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's, it's, it's a turning point. So there will be change and we do tend to resist that because yeah. we are such creatures of habit and our, our, our security psychologically is so based in being able to simply and almost unconsciously repeat yesterday's behaviors, even if they're errant. And, you know, <laughs> it's so much the devil, you know, it's so much more comfortable. However, if you're going to have the next 20, 30, 40 years of your life be more to your liking, sometimes going through a rough passage is better than not. And that, that's essentially what we do. And the reality is, even for those people who were devastated by the election outcome four years ago, we're all still here. You know, most of us just... Well, <laughs> speak for yourself. Sorry. Sorry, brother. No, no, I am speaking for myself. I'm still here. <laughs> right. That's what I just said. We're all still here. And, yeah, we, and we survived it. So if it goes in a direction that doesn't please you, yes, you might have four tough years, but the reality is you will survive. The country will survive. And no matter what happens, if we do regress to the mean, we will go back to a more 
civil dialogue in this country, which would be an incredible relief to an old man. Uh, yeah. There you go. Well, okay. So if you'd like to have a divorce that may not be as bad as you think it is, but won't necessarily be a pleasant experience. And you're concerned about your finances, Mark. Who sh- how, how should they get a hold of you? Um, look for my website. Pacific Divorce Management is the company. We're in Sorrento Valley, San Diego. And our website is packdivorce.com. P-A-C-D-I-V-O-R-C-E. And we have our phone numbers and contact form there. And Scott, if I wanted to, um, to, to, to meet with you so that I could get some therapy to deal with my... my very high strung emotions because of the apocalypse I'm experiencing. (laughs) Who should I call? All right. My name is Scott Weiner. I am a psychologist and I'm also law trained. I'm JD too. Um, I work with individuals, couples, families, and I do consultancy with people who are trying to solve any sorts, any sort of, especially communication based problems. They'd reach me by phone. I answer my own telephone, 619-417-5743. And these gentlemen are probably going to talk me into creating a website, but only when I get older. You know, he's, not, hope. he's not mature enough yet. We can That's always probably hope. true. <laughs> he well, can't be trusted with the website. As the Generation X mediator attorney that I am, I do have a website. And so if you have any dispute that you need to resolve, please visit WeberDisputeResolution.com. That's WeberDisputeResolution.com with one B in Weber. And we can help match you with a mediator to resolve your dispute. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Three Wise Men of Divorce, Money, Psych, and Law. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe leave us a review and share with others who may be in a similar place. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and focused on a positive, bright future. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Every family law case is unique, so no legal, financial, or mental health advice is intended during this podcast. If you need help with your specific situation, feel free to schedule a time to speak with one of us for a personal consultation.